everyone. Thanks for joining. Today, I'm speaking with Monica Guzman. Monica is the Director of Digital and Storytelling at Braver Angels. She's got a book coming out on March 8th. It's I Never Thought of It That Way. And there's I recently saw a TEDx uh, talk she did in Seattle. Based, I think it's going to be titled How Curiosity Will Save Us. So that was really interesting. I wanted to speak to Monica about that. Hey, Monica, thank you for coming on. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, no, it's going pretty good. But uh, I saw your talk about the curiosity. And I mean, I've seen, I've been following you on Twitter for a little bit, and I see some of the stuff Braver Angels does. And then also the way you've titled your book, like I never thought of it that way. If you wouldn't mind getting into a bit of like what you're talking about with curiosity and like, you know, or maybe touch a little bit on your talk and then we can go from there. Yeah, totally. So the baseline that the talk addresses is that if we can't get curious across divides in a polarized world, we can't see the world at all. And that introduces all kinds of problems. If you can't see the world around you, how are you going to maintain good relationships that are productive and fulfilling? How are you going to solve the problems of society, whichever ones you want to dip into or have opinions about? And then how do you manage your own opinions and put them in conversation with others when you don't really see other opinions that well? So there is sorting, othering, and siloing, SOS. It's a call for help. It's the foundation of our polarization, these forces of human nature that have brought us to this point. And now we have to find our way through. And I believe that starts with each of us being more curious than we have been. Not all of us waking up tomorrow zen-like, wanting to talk to our biggest opponents right now, but just pushing at the boundaries and the edges of who we think we know, asking more questions, scrutinizing our assumptions, and treating the world a little bit more openly than it seems that we've been doing. Okay. Now, I mean, that's basically getting down to the mill, right? You know, he only knows his side of the argument, knows little of that. Like it's, um, there's also a quote by, <clears throat> um, it's a Arab scholar, uh, Ibn al -Hattam. I don't know if he's Arab or Persian, but he was like from the golden age of Islam. And he basically says the same thing. It's like, if the, the seeker after the truth will read the books of the ancient, you know, like, I, sorry, I, I forget the quote, but it's basically that of just like, you're going to doubt everything that you trust anyways, and you're just going to go looking more deeply into it. I agree with what you're saying here. Like, okay, yes. If I'm speaking to an individual, I'm speaking to a person like, you know, you meet someone at a party or, you know, you bump into someone somewhere, you just start having a conversation. That's one thing. If it's something like Islam, let's just say, and I'm, and if I have like mullahs or apologists giving me the same old stuff, it's like, okay, well, you know, here's the Hadith, here's all the stuff. And you're just, like, I will treat that differently than just a conversation with someone because I'm like, okay, you're coming at it from this position. And at this point, it's becoming more of a debate than a dialectic mm -hmm. and so i treat those things differently and okay maybe it's a flaw of mine but i i'm direct like i i, I just I, i'm like you know what i, I don't yeah. have time and you know we're gonna get to the point and it's like if you're saying this well here's the problem with what here's what i see as the problem with what you're saying and then it's you know again that's i know that's the most not the most constructive way to have a conversation but it, like i said it depends on who i'm dealing with no, and that makes sense. I mean, you're pointing out something really important, which is 
we can't expect the same level of the same facility of engagement with people who are close to us in our beliefs. They might be one or two or maybe three steps removed. And then folks who are all the way on the other side, but not just on the other side of the fence, but like another mile that way, you know, and there is a level of difficulty that comes into play. And of course, spaces like the internet and others throw us all together and just go, you know, have at it. And we often get into those kinds of engagements with folks who are many levels removed from our positions where the difficulty is quite high in in exactly what you're saying, having a constructive conversation. More likely than not, what you do is you size each other up, you understand where you are, and then you trench yourself in your positions and you fight. And so then it becomes about, well, is that worthwhile? <laughs> what, does, what does either person truly expect out of that? Is it realistic? A lot of times we, we seek victory, but how often does that happen? Not very often, especially in the context of one conversation. And so it's, it's just about questioning even the entire process and set of assumptions we have about entering these conversations at all. Okay, so there's there was all the pushback to like CRT in schools, right? Like I don't even want to get into the debate of is it CRT or not, because at, at this point to me it's like the intelligent design debate, like is it religion or not? Yeah. You know, it's it's uh-huh. okay. A, I'm not in favor of legislation, never have been. Legislation for what? Well, I mean, like the CR, the anti CRT bills. Like I'm not in favor of just legislating problems away. Like I understand yep. you do need some legislation, but you know, like when the laws came out, and you know, I follow it fairly closely, and I was reading a lot of them. And I understand the pushback, but I was like, okay, the pushback is looking at the worst of these laws. There were like some really good ones. And I'm like, okay, you could have at least said, okay, these are better. Maybe draw your initiatives towards like laws, like these ones that are actually good. Cause there were a couple, I believe one was uh, Idaho, was Idaho or Iowa. And it was, all it was, was a reaffirmation of federal and state level civil rights laws. That's it. There was nothing else. Interesting. Okay. Right? So like we reaffirm this. And you cannot treat you know any individual differently based on your know, skin color. That was it. There was no mm-hmm. there was no language of you can't talk about this, mm-hmm. you can't talk about that, because you cannot treat people different. And so I think like that was, even though all you're doing is reaffirming existing legislation, it was good. So I was like, okay, there's there has been so much of like the CRT push that started. I mean, it had already been going on for since about 2013, different levels of schools in different states, but. In about 2018, it was in about 17 or 18 states, I think, like pretty much full on. And after the George Floyd thing, it just started being pushed all over. So people saw this happening and then people were at home with COVID. And so they were freaking out about what their kids are learning because so, they're seeing it right. right in front of them. So they wanted something done and nothing was yeah. really being done. So I can understand the legislation coming in. But now I see the overcorrection, like in places like Texas, where they're like, you know, they were some of the books they wanted to pull. I'm like, it's ridiculous. I mean, first of all, I don't think any book should be pulled within reason. Like I think age appropriate, like that one where they're showing yeah. the kid giving fellatio to an adult. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that should be in elementary schools. Like I, you know, like I, it's not about burning books or whatever, but I think there is an age appropriate thing where that might not be a good thing in an elementary school or even middle school. I don't know. Like it's just, but you know, they're when they're banning Tony Morrison, I'm like, okay, that, that's an overcorrection. And I'm worried about that overcorrection, but it's, like this, this is my view. It's people aren't addressing the primary issue and they're going after the mm-hmm. secondary thing. The primary issue, let's say if you're talking about education, should be kids aren't literate. Kids can't, kids are enumerate. Okay, like kids can't read, kids can't do math. Well, let's forget about 
is it CRT or isn't it? Let's forget about banning books, not banning books. Look at what you're doing and is it working? And or if you're proposing more of the same thing, like, why is it like, I, I'm, I'm, maybe it's just like, you know, the way I'm thinking and it's wrong. It's like, I'm just trying to gear myself towards solutions. I'm like, all the rest of it, I find to be secondary to what the actual issues are. Yeah, no, and I love the way you put that gear my gear myself towards solutions. You know, I get this visual of of actually going inside the machinery of your head, you know, how we can all do that and 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 move the gears around and, and actually make sure that what we are uh, trying to achieve is productive. And I think that that is not something we take a lot of time to think about. You know, as you were talking about this particular dynamic, we see it often with CRT and then the legislation and this idea of an overcorrection, I visualized a shove, you know, like someone comes in with, with a lot of convictions that there is a lot around race and the ways that it is embedded in society and the unfairness of it all and the urgency around changing it and the way that it, um, that one can look at American history through that lens and it looks quite different and that person comes up and then shoves the educational system, you know, everyone, everyone in it, just like, hey, boom, you know, it feels like a shove, like, hey, hey, we got to do this, right? And so th- those parents who feel shoved, like many parents and students and everyone will feel, oh, yeah, this is right, great, I'm into this, right? But many will feel shove. And so what they want is to shove back, well, shove back, right? And so that's what you do, and they shove back. And you're talking about the overcorrection where it seems like, well, if one person shoves, you know, one side shoves and then the other side shoves back harder, what do you really end up with? You know, one person on the ground trying to get up, getting ready to shove back even harder while the other person is still kind of recovering from some kind of wound. And what you're saying is gear yourself towards solutions. All of a sudden it becomes about who's, who's afraid, who's winning, who's right, who's wrong. But it's not about let's put on the table what this is actually about. Because most of the time, I would say all of the time, <laughs> just about all of the time with truly contentious, complicated issues where large chunks of society across many demographics oppose each other, that's a sign that there are good tensions. Um, there are good values in tension with each other. And then it becomes, then the task becomes, put them on the table, be able to see them and know what you're working with. Otherwise, people are just, just going to react and counter-react and then react to that reaction. And then you're just, you're in this, you're in this mess. And so I saw that happening a lot with the news and the conversation around CRT and is it this or is it not that? And it's like, hang on, guys, like what we're really talking about, well, <laughs> I am not the answer to what we're really talking about. I don't have that answer. I would want a whole lot of people to like, popcorn that answer who are very different and then maybe we get close to the truth but I would venture to say that it has more to do with our sense of who we are as you know how this country came to be who is a part of it and how we make space and make room for all kinds of people and we had an answer right we had a a consensus answer that was embedded in some ways into the educational system and now some folks are saying we need to edit that answer severely and some, some of those people are probably wanting to edit the answer way too much. Some people want to edit the answer way too little. The truth is somewhere in between. Just how do you teach the story of how we got to be who we are as Americans? How do you teach the story of what we did right and what we did wrong as Americans? And then how do you treat the we? I wasn't alive in 1864. 
right? Neither were you. <laughs> so who's the we anyway? And and how how do we teach this sense of like accountability, responsibility, perhaps embedded in identity, but even though we weren't there, there's still some kind of legacy. There's so many philosophical arguments. So that's just one small like tour of the kinds of things that are probably behind folks's urgency and fear and sense of reaction and the reason they want to shove and shove back. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Like I said, like I said, it's what I, I see the, I said, I, I see this repeating over and over and over again. And it's the same, it's the same argument from different dogmas. Like if you go back to the, you know, the, like the new atheist, whatever, whatever you want to call them, like, you know, the same arguments they had from like, you know, Christian apologists, you got from Muslim apologists or apologists for Judaism. Like you've got the same, you know, the names changed, but it was basically the same argument, you know, or the same defense. Um, like if you speak to someone who is like, you know, a staunch defender of let's say Soviet cap, uh, communism, it's like, oh, well, it collapsed or, you know, it's, it's, it was always outside forces and it's, you know, it's the same dogmatic thinking. And I, maybe I'm frustrated because I just see the same things going on. And in, like, it's, this could be, you know, dogma from the far right or for the far left. Like some of the crap you'll hear from someone like Richard Spencer, you can hear that from, you know, quote unquote, an anti-racist. It's just couched in slightly different language, but it's this, you know, I mean, there was the thing out yesterday in a school in Denver where they had, they segregated the playground and it's a playground for children of color. And and they're 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 defending it and saying it's progressive. It's like but you've just segregated the playground, mm-hmm. and you know someone like Richard Spencer would go along with that, but yeah. he he'd say it in a much different way. Right, right. I see what you're saying. So when you mm-hmm. say maybe I'm frustrated because I see the same things going on, mm-hmm. like what actually what is the root of your frustration? Well, I mean, like what are you frustrated about? Okay, we were talking about this earlier, so. And it's, you know, I, not that he's ever going to hear it, but and it's not to pick on Sam Harris, but he, when the conversation was around Islam, he had said it over and over and over again, like this, you know, we need to have this conversation because this, this, and this, you know, I can go through all his reasons, but it's like, you know, but we can't let the bad actors, you know, we can't see the conversation to the bad actors. And he was worrying that it was happening. I see the same arguments now, let's say concerning CRT or any of the quote unquote woke stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we can't really count. Uh, we can't really criticize it, even though it's wrong because there's so many bad actors in it now, but it's like you seeded that space. Um, Who seeded the space? I think I need a little more. Okay. Like, like, I, I don't, like, I don't like, spend like, as much time in this topic as you do, but, but yeah, someone like, someone like Sam Harris, okay. Mm-hmm. Seated that space. So, and what I mean by that is, yeah, he like yes, Sam had probably had a couple of talks about some of this stuff. Like I know, like he's spoken to a few people, but when Trump first got elected, he had spent a little bit talking about some of the excesses of the left before Trump, like before the 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 you know twenty sixteen election. But then after Trump got elected, and he wasn't the only one. There were you know I think Stephen Pinker said it, uh, but there were quite a few people who said things along the lines of it was the excesses of the left that drove people to vote for Trump. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But then, and and this is not a defense of Trump. The guy, like, you know, 
my reason for not, if I was in the States and I was American, I wouldn't have voted for him because he was erratic, but it doesn't mean I would have voted for Hillary. I think I would have voted down ticket. And I, I just don't think either of them was were worth my vote. But instead of actually going back and looking at what was wrong on the Democrat side or the left side and trying to fix that, mm. all the attention went straight towards Trump. And like, you know, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, whatever, all they would have covered Trump like they did. But I think people, and I, you know, I don't know people are going to say, oh, people have the right to talk about whatever they want. Yeah, they do. But if your issue was, if your issue was Trump and your issue was, you know, you started off by saying the excess of the left led to him. And it's pretty much right after his inauguration, it was all Trump all the time. I mean, why didn't you fix the stuff that happened on your side? And it's, mm-hmm. it, it it consolidated. It got stronger. It's it's in mm. like every institution. I mean, the, the language that's coming out of every major institution is the same. That's coming out of like yeah. the academies, and it's okay. And like that. That's what I'm. And it's it was like they said. I said there was the same thing with Islam. You know, a lot of ground was ceded to people, quote unquote, bad actors, because they spent time focusing on that instead of there. Were, and there were certain people, like people like Sarah Hader. Or um, you know, Yasmin Muhammad, they focused purely on the Islam. They didn't care about the left and right thing. They just said, "These, this is the problem. This is what we're dealing with." But there were a lot of people who wasted time saying, "Oh, we can't talk about it because you know the far right or the alt right are going to you know capitalize on it." Blah, blah blah blah. And it's the same thing happening now. And it happened. Okay, I see what you're saying. And, and like okay. it, it, that really frustrates me. I'm like, I see yeah. why these overcorrections are happening. And yeah. I realize Biden won, but. I don't think a lot of people honestly can say if it wasn't for COVID, like if COVID hadn't happened, I think you would be under Trump's second term right now. It was very, I mean, it was very, it was close circumstantially, you know, like people were, we didn't really know which way it was going to go. But like I said, I don't think if COVID hadn't happened because the economy was doing fairly well Mm -hmm. and the left had gone crazier. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and it's not, not to say that, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Trump is not crazy, like, but you know, like, it's a different kind of crazy, but mm. I, I think you would have been under a second Trump administration. And I just, I, yeah. I, I really like, that's what frustrates me is I see the same thing happening over again, but this yeah. time it's a lot cl- more closer to home and it's a lot more immediate effect on your lives. Yeah. So tell, tell me if I'm, if I'm getting a bit of what you're saying here, it sounds like you're talking about what happens when, you know, there's two opposing sides on something mm-hmm. and they are conflicted about something in a, in a very egregious way. And so the response is to focus in, intently on the sort of awfulness of the other side and really focus that, focus the energy on that so much, you know, that you're not even able to admit where there's fault on your side, because, well, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And so if you give them if they take a mile, if they even take an inch, you might lose things that are incredibly precious because clearly they're horrible monsters and that's what they want. Um, so is it, are you talking about that tendency in any polarized climate where like one or the other side actually digs themselves into a deeper hole when they think they're actually trying to make things better? Is yes that or, what you're talking about? Okay, yes and no, because like I said, like someone like Sam, yes, he did spend some time talking about the excess of the left, even after Trump got elected, but he focused so much on Trump. I mean, I think at every podcast, like in his little preamble, mm-hmm. he said he mentioned something about Trump in a negative way. And what I'm 
and he, I mean, Sam got attacked from the far left as well. And he was called alt-right and blah, 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 because I mean, he had Charles Murray on and, you know, all kinds of other things and his stance on Islam. But it's not that he didn't mention it. It's just that I'm looking at all these people and it's like, okay, they, some, at one point they stopped talking, but it. it was just because I think it was in their mind, Trump was so bad that, yeah, we know this is going on, on the left, but Trump's worse. Trump's in power. Right. And right. they didn't pay attention to going from a student yelling to at Nicholas Christakis in 2015 that Yale was not meant to be a place of learning. You know, she, like she, she said, like, you're supposed to create a home for us. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it had gone from that to whatever university students, I mean, booing the ACLU, which now I think I would boo them myself the way they're acting. But, you know, they were saying that free speech was a far right talking point, And that's in 2018. I'm like, you saw that progress and you saw it come out into, I think they got like really shocked. Like when I think they didn't realize how far it had spread and they weren't paying attention to it. And they were focusing on like, you know, the orange menace. And, uh, you know, like, okay, so it's also sort of a deflection when, yeah. you, when you focus too much on the monster you see on the other side. Yeah, it's, but you're it's not all. you're not able to see what's degrading on your own side. Yeah, but is I that, think, is that yeah, the argument? I think they just yeah. didn't realize how bad it was because there's a lot of yeah. professors okay. now who are talking about how oh my god the schools have gotten so bad and it's I'm like well yeah but they were that bad I mean 2015 again like if you uh, Butcha Ungar Sargon's new book uh, Bad News like if I don't. You know, she's talking about how it started going really bad in 2013. Like you can start seeing how they're talking about race and everything more. And um, in 2015, there was a professor at the University of Missouri. Uh, I think her name was Melissa Click. And she was at a protest at the university and a student journalist from the university was there to cover the protest. And she, she was a journalism professor. She called for muscle to have the student reporter taken away. Now, she was fired. And I mean, I can dispute that, but that should have rung alarm bells at the university. And what's going on in our journalism department where a journalism professor is calling for muscle on a student journalist covering a protest at the university. Like there was so much stuff that was just there. If you actually took the time to look and I'm like these, again, I look at the arguments Sam had against Islam and the, and why you need to speak out about it. And like, it's going to let bad actors take a thing. You need to have good arguments, this and that. He let he did the same thing with this stuff. He did the exact mm, same thing he was saying. complaining yeah. about with Islam, with this. Yeah. And, and and again, there's a lot of people. And this is not to say that Trump was not, you know, like I, I just I, I think he was I just don't don't like him. Um but you should have focused on what was going on. Like there's people still to this day who are just like, Oh my god, I can't believe that. They can't really believe that. I'm like, how much more evidence do you need? Mm. And it's mm-hmm. Again, like when it's people's arguments who would made like those arguments in other in other debates on similar type of topics, but they're blind to what's going on now right in front of them, and like mm-hmm. that, like I think that's the frustrating part. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, I see that. What what is um? I mean, I have all kinds of questions. You know, I, I from here, it's interesting to know you know, that's the frustration. And then it's like, it makes me wonder. It sounds like that is a persistent frustration and probably 
aggravated in a lot of ways, right? So you see certain stories and it's more reminders that this is happening, this dynamic. And then what, what comes up for you in terms of, I wish that people would just X. I wish that people would just Y. I wish they would just do this. Okay. Um, so you got the midterms coming up next year. Yeah. Right? And again, all they're focusing on, and they're all even talking about 2024 and Trump and how Trump's going to rig the election, this and that. Okay. You know what? Instead of, okay, yes, you should maybe keep an eye on, is he going to rig the election or not? Or is anyone going to try to rig the election in 2024? Again, shouldn't you focus on what's going wrong on your side? Make your side more electable instead of just focusing on, well, at least we're not that bad. Right? Like, you shouldn't have to vote for not that bad. You should have to vote yeah. for good. <laughs> or, or great right so yeah. okay. why not fix your side why not make your side more electable yeah and what do you think what do you think is the strongest argument that someone would have to say no i have a really great reason why i should not spend time fixing my side a good reason and that reason is this i'd have to hear the reason but i mean like what would uh, i mean that I'm not going to work on this at the expense of this other thing that I think is more important. I, I don't know. I mean, like there's, if you're telling me, okay, first of all, Trump 2024, you know, you don't even know how the midterms are going to go. I mean, I, if I was a betting person, I'd put money down that the GOP is going to like do really well in the midterms, but don't know. But I mean, like, okay, you haven't even had those yet. So you're fighting an imaginary foe three years down the line, there's no real there, there, there is something substantial on your side that you can do. And that actually, like I, I if they're going to be that, I try to convince them that fixing their side helps in their goal in 2024. Like if, yeah. you, if you make your side more electable, that. that would be my argument. It's, it's, it's on, it would, we work on that tack. It's like, you yeah. want, you want that in 2024. Like instead of focusing everything on Trump and let's say something surprising comes out of nowhere and it's not Trump, but it's someone really charismatic and whatever, like, you know, an intelligent version of Trump, let's just put it that way. Like, you know, like, like, you know, someone who is competent and, you know, yeah. intelligent and witty and, you know, like they can, you know, like yeah. I said, charismatic and you can, you know, you can have something even worse. I'm like, you. Yeah. why focus on this imaginary thing when you have something substantial in front of you and fix it? Yeah, like it's, well, that makes sense. So can, can I offer a, a reframe just to see what happens? Uh, um, you know, in the case of sort of the whole left being one kind of general entity that acts in concert, right? What you're bringing up is extremely urgent because if that whole entity chooses to focus on one thing at the expense of other things that it ought to be doing, then... That's a severe problem. The reframe I would offer is there's millions of people on the left. There's thousands of leaders and influencers. And some of them, this is what I see as true. You may, you, you may disagree. What I see as true is that some of them are focusing on, quote, fixing their side. And others are focusing on, you know, attacking the other side. And others, and they're doing it in like thousands of different ways. So, you're, pro you're probably talking about what you see as the average tendency and the average distraction. But of course, there's actually tons of different people and there are, there are people working on all of the things. Or does that not seem quite true? Okay. First of all, yeah. Okay. I, I think I even said far left because, you yeah, know, this is not, okay, like 
CRT, gender theory, queer theory, like all this stuff, it's not mainstream left. Like it's not, you know, it is a very small contingent on the far left. Ah, uh, right, okay. right. But, that helps me understand the scope uh, of who okay, you're talking okay. about. You're talking uh, about the vocal far left. Yeah, okay. But at the same right. point, they have taken, like that thought pattern has taken over institutions. Like, you know, when the CDC comes out with vaccine recommendations do, based on race instead of, okay, let's not give it to the elderly because they're mainly white, that's scary. You know, it's it, it's taken over media. You know, and it's it's not all the reporters. It's against a certain small contingent, and it's probably in the HR departments and a lot of these companies. You know, it's so there's there's an institutional push to it as well. So the average person, when they, you know, when the New York Times in 2019 publishes an op-ed about four black girls being beaten up by two South Asian males, and then the males pissing on, and these are like 16 year olds, like 14 to 16 year olds. And the article, they, the op-ed they publish about how that's a problem with whiteness. Okay. That's an issue. Like people are going to see that and it's like, okay, there's something wrong. Like, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, we've lost trust in everything. And like, I know, again, I'll pick on Sam a little bit. No, he blames it on Trump, but it's like, no, I'm sorry, but you let yourself like you, this is what, I mean, you let those institutions get corrupted from the inside and they've lost trust. Like when, when the, New England Journal of Medicine and the American Medical Association put out statements that co- uh, racism is a worse virus than COVID. And they are, you know, thousands of doctors are signing letters saying go to the BLM protests. And these are the same people saying you can't stand in line to vote because you might catch COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've lost trust there. And so, you know, people like Sam, who, again, he did talk about some of this stuff on the left. I'm not saying he didn't completely. And there's, you know, there's a lot of other people who did, you know like who who experience fallback from it like steve pinker when he talked about how the other smart people on the alt-right and everyone's like oh my god you're an alt-right defender and like you know he got a lot i think there's questions to get have him fired so there you know these people have faced it but they focus so much on trump and it's like you let this happen and you're still letting it happen instead of addressing like when the cdc puts something like that out that should raise alarm bells and people should be looking very seriously at what's going on at the CDC. Because I mean, that's not a normal recommendation. Again, I, I th- just think you're dropping the, like people are dropping the ball by not focusing on that and just focusing so much on, you know, something that might happen three years down the road. Yeah. What do you think that, what do you think that they're afraid of? I don't know. I mean, like they keep talking about authoritarianism, you're going to lose democracy. It's an attack to the system. But yeah, but so is the other side. They're saying it openly, and they're mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like yeah, it's I I see it very much as sort of fear versus fear. Yeah, okay, yeah, but that's that's it. Like, but there's sometimes yeah, but you know, I would consider someone like Sam a, a reasonable voice, and even. People got yeah, it. It sounds like you. It sounds like you. You expect folks like Sam to be more because they're so popular and influential. Wait, no, not be even, more accountable. Be it, more. It's not even accountable. It's just okay. I'm using Sam as an example for a, a lot of people. I mean, I could I could throw in a lot of names, but you know, someone I 
someone I'm a mutual follower with on Twitter and we both have right. like very, someone you know, whose voice you respect on the left. Yeah. But you know, but it's, yeah, but it's, yeah. Or he, and he's kind of, I'm kind of using him as a catch all for a lot of different people. And it's right. But they could have like, I, uh, sorry, I just kind of lost my train of thought there, but like, it's not that I, you know, I'm saying he hasn't done it or he should, but what I'm saying is if you keep talking about like, like you, it seems like you're blind. Like people are reading it in New York times, like reading it all the mainstream media all the time and you're seeing it all over the place like you know if you just watch you're seeing what what is what is it just okay, so like, i mean like okay like during the trump era right so you're you're yeah. all you like the way cnn msnbc new york times all these places cover trump you had all the same right. things that like everything sam was saying was coming out of those places as well mm-hmm. right? what i'm saying is people saw a lot of that and people who were looking for moderate voices who maybe n- might have not liked trump in 2016 mm-hmm. and might might have voted down ticket but then saw that there were no moderate voices. Like and when I say there was none, okay, there were obviously, you know, like people like Helen Pluckrose and, you know, Iona Italia, like there, I can list off like, you know, yeah. even like an organization like Braver Angels. I know you're not, you're nonpartisan, but you were standing up for like the same values that I like. So at least you were defending those values, which, you know, so there were some voices, what I'm saying, but the majority of what people got from quote unquote moderate voices and from, you know, like the mainstream left media was just all Trump all the time. And people could see it. Like people could see what was going on. Like people who were actually looking at it and like, you know, or parents yeah. would the further along you went towards 2020. Yeah. The more and by the way, more, I want to make clear. I, I see a lot, like I, I resonate with a lot of what you're saying. Um, we haven't talked a lot about, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, yeah. I just, but, 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 um, but I'm wondering, you know, because you were talking about you want to gear yourself towards solutions. If, you know, the frustration sounds super, like it makes total sense to me. And I think it's shared by a lot of people. I share it in a lot of ways, not always, but in some ways. Then the question becomes, okay, how do we all gear ourselves toward the solution? Because uh, echoing the frustration only goes so far. Yeah, I, I get it. And, okay. right. So then what do we do? Okay. How do we change the conversation? First of all, this was something I thought about a long while ago. And especially when I first came back from overseas, and like I, I said, there was things wrong on both. And it, like, you know, it's not that I haven't focused on, you know, like I said, I don't like the left, right thing, but it's not like I haven't focused on, you know, the right. It's like, you know, I, I see what's going on, but I still think that I'm like, you know what, this is, if we can take care of, this side for ourselves there's the sense because there is still sensible right you know like it's you know again these are extremes and they're the loudest and they're this you know smaller contingents that sensible right instead of having to worry just like they're doing the same thing like they're worrying about the extreme on the left hand side and they're not looking at their own side yeah I think, yeah I yeah so i think it's very true i think both sides very should true. go back and like you know okay whatever Jordan Peterson's thing, like, you know, clean your room, like just, you know, fix your own goddamn house, mm-hmm. you know, like fix the broken windows from the rocks you've been throwing in your own house and then go complain about the other one. And it's like, like, don't get me wrong. I'd say there is, there is stuff on that side too, but like, yeah. And the these va- things will always happen simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, always. and it's all, you know, I, I call it talk, talk, I said overcorrection. It's an overcorrection after an overcorrection. Cause like, don't, you know, we can go back to, you know, AM radio and the, you know, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world and whatever, and like how that led to something else. And you can even go back even earlier than that, like, you know, 
the pushback to the Vietnam War and then the, the pushback to the you know the protests, whatever. So I mean, like, but it's just kind of being like one overcorrection after another. I'm just like, right, right, right. I, so I, then, what is so what? How do we change the conversation? Um, I think okay, a like what you're okay what what, what Braver Angels was doing or what you had talked about in that video. Um, just having those conversations with people. Okay. Like I said, that's on a one-to-one level, but if you're looking at like overall big thing, like I think we need to maybe gear it towards, okay. Instead of having, you know, uh, a Trump voter and a Biden voter talking, mm. have someone who begrudgingly voted for Biden would have, but would have preferred Bernie or, you know, someone else. Mm and try to like bridge the gap on like on the left or on the right, like bridge the gap between the yeah. demographics on those two sides. Yeah. Cause it's great. That I think getting... that's really smart. Mm-hmm. And we, we actually at Brave Rangers, we've gotten that idea and I, yeah. I would love to move on it. Cause I think it's really smart. Somebody was saying, I remember we got, we got an email uh, from someone in our community who is, um, is a man and is trans and said, I'm conservative. And I really, you know, hook me up, like hook me up with other conservatives who are skeptical about, who don't know anyone trans. And I would love to talk to them. And, and it was one of those reminders that, yeah, like kind of what you're saying, you can, you can make these bridges on your own side. And, and maybe that's the stepping stone to even going to the other one. Right. Because that's whoo, that's real far away. But or even, for example, someone else um, wrote a beautiful email uh, that came into our inbox that I just gleaned so much from. We have a really wise, amazing community of like thousands of people across the country. But like and she was saying, you know, in my family, there's religious divide and a political divide. And it's really bad. And I would love to talk to somebody who's been able to you know, for whatever reason, has sort of a religious divide in their family, but has figured it out. Can I talk to them? And, and, and I realized that a lot of this sort of everything has to be red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, misses the opportunities for some of those smaller connections. Um, because we can't, you know, it's like you're, it's, you're swallowing something too big all at once. And people have their own little mysteries. So the narrative around polarization always being red, blue, misses some of the opportunities, I think, to bridge in, in, in smaller ways that are still extremely deep and significant and troubling, you know, and you're talking about one, you know, on the left. So a big one uh, on the left that by the way, exists, you know, in its own forms on the right for sure. Um, But yeah. And it all comes back to this focus that both sides have on each other. Yeah. And I mean, both sides are so focused on the other side. Okay. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Okay. You know, I talked about CNN and MS, you know, it's not like Fox and Breitbart or anything or, or angels either. Like, there you go. Like there's, there's like, yeah. but it's, it's kind of, like I said, I think it's, you know, uh, it's my, that's my side. It's my house. I, I want to clean it up. You know, I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to live in a mess anymore. Um, yeah. look, I don't want to keep it too long. Well I, said. You know, well I, said. You know, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I'm sorry. I rambled the whole time, but you kept asking me questions so I couldn't help myself. Um, but yeah, it's kind want, of my jam. I yeah, like it. If you want people know uh, where they can get a hold of you, where they can get a hold of Brave Angels. Uh, if you also, if you send me the link to where they can get your book, I'll put that in the, uh, in the yeah, that'd be great. Um, so Brave Angels is braverangels.org, and the website mm-hmm. explains we're the largest cross partisan grassroots organization 
working to depolarize America. Lots of amazing workshops and projects going on that are awesome. Uh, and then for me, if you go to my Twitter or my Instagram, this is probably the easiest way. Uh, I am Moni Guzman on both of those platforms, M-O-N-I-G-U-Z-M-A-N, Moni Guzman. And you'll find my link tree and links to pre-order the book. The book is called I Never Thought of It That Way, How to Have Fearlessly Curious Conversations in Dangerously Divided Times. And uh, yeah, it comes out March 8th, 2022. You can also uh, find my newsletter at bit.ly slash reclaim curiosity. Well, great. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It was you know, good, good talking to you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I mean, I, I could do this all day. I love it. <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> well, thanks again. Thanks everyone for listening.